Hello there and welcome to this episode 39 of the Gareth Book Podcast. Hope you're well. And um, in this one I want to talk about a subject which is um, close to my heart at the moment. And it's one that I think is worth talking about because I think it's something we all suffer from and fall into at times. And that is, the subject is not being yourself and, and the trap I think we fall into it in many cases, and I've been falling into very recently, is to not be yourself, which is a huge mistake. Um, and I wanted to kind of use this podcast to give you some ideas of why I think it's a huge mistake and also highlight some of the things that have happened to me recently where it's shown by me not being completely myself, how it's held me back or caused me to feel some kind of pain or discomfort. When I was thinking about um, my life, you know, how... how um, Big does that sound, you know, I'm 50 years old, I've been around for 50 years, and I started thinking about the times in my life when I've been the happiest. And this came out because I do a regular review of, of where I'm going with things on, on a kind of a monthly basis. It's 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 something I do when the end of a month turns turns around and I start focusing on the next month. So clearly we've just gone through February, and although it's a short month, it's always a strange month this February. It's that month that is the generally the coldest... Uh, in the UK. So we have a lot of, you're very kind of conscious that it's very dark. We've been through quite a long winter. And although it's starting to change through February, we're still a little bit off spring. And it feels that way because February does feel like a winter month. But once you get into March, boom, you know, you start thinking of spring and, and, and the the um, opportunities that that brings. So I was thinking in February about my kind of authenticity and I don't like to use that word I think it's overused um, but I'm going to use it in this instance because I think it's it, it was relevant to me at the time how authentic was I being and not to the stuff I was producing online the podcast the videos the, the Facebook page not that I was how authentic was I being was I being to myself in how well I was doing was I really looking at this from the right angles because the last 12 months, if, if you were to look at it, has been a, a, a fucking strange time, has it not? You know, that nobody saw COVID coming. You know, I don't know how many times I've said that, but way too many. But no one saw it coming and no one could have seen the effect that this would have had on certainly our society here in the UK. I remember we were in um, Edinburgh this time last year, sort of the back end of, of February and the beginning of March. And I remember being up there and, and we were walking around in Edinburgh, there's the castle. That's like the main central part of of the kind of highlights of things to see in, in in that part of Scotland, Edinburgh. And there were one or two kind of people that were clearly from kind of an Oriental background. They were Chinese, although maybe Japanese, you know. But they were wearing masks. And I always remember that when I used to go visiting Euro European countries, like you, you know, you go to cities like Venice or you go to Barcelona, Madrid, places like that. There's always Oriental people wearing masks, and I never understood it. I thought we were in masks for what's all that about? Doesn't that look silly? You know, not thinking at the time, or even considering remotely, that within six months of that date, you know, a mask would be something I was having to carry around every time I left the house. So it has been a strange twelve months, and I think one one of the things that's I think been universal through these last twelve months is how we've all had to face some change to our lives to some degree. Now there will be people throughout this time that have that have done well out of it. You know there are certain industries, certainly supermarkets and the like, and online delivery services that have probably done very well through lockdown. Other industries, travel, 
um, retail, non-essential retail anyway, and, and hospitality have been battered by it. And throughout it all, I've kind of kept a very kind of very upbeat approach to it, a bit of a kind of stiff upper lip. And that's what I've kind of shown to the outside world. And then I started realising at some level, you know, what had been going on inside me in the last 12 months had been a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I have to say, when, when we first heard we were going into lockdown, I was quite happy with that because I kind of recognised it was a chance to slow down. I, I saw that as the initial situation as we get to stay in the house for four weeks, we're going to have to slow down. I can concentrate on doing all my stuff. I can do all my videos and my podcasts and create online courses. And... The reality was, given that opportunity and given that time, I never did it. And there was an element of me was annoyed when we'd come out of first lockdown that, I'd, that I hadn't done as much in that first lockdown as I wanted to do. Then what happens next? We get another lockdown. And again, the chance to maybe right the wrongs of the first one. Now this time I would definitely do the courses, I'd definitely do the videos, I'd definitely do the podcast. This was the time. You know, the first one, you know, that was just a chance to slow down. This is a chance to really get it done. Um, but at the end of the second lockdown, still no online courses, still no vast increase in podcasts and videos or content online. And then we were given the third lockdown. Well, that was definitely going to be the time. You know, nothing was going to hold me back on the third lockdown. This was it. This was the moment. Yes, the first one, you know, that that was didn't get there. Second one, well, you know, other things, other factors. It was, you know, around Christmas time and all the other stuff that went with it, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe the timing wasn't right. But the third one, absolutely going to nail this one. This is going to be my time. I'm going to make this third lockdown my bitch. That, that was my attitude. And at the end of this lockdown now, which is coming up very shortly, I'm looking back and I was thinking, I've done nothing. I've not really done much. And then I started to think in a slightly different way. I started to look at the things that I had done which I didn't take account for. For instance, one thing I've done in the last 12 months is walk and run. Now, you know, this this is you know, this is no big deal, you might think. Actually, it was a big deal to me. Because when everybody else was choosing to stay in the house and and not go out and 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 sort of worrying things, I knew I'm susceptible to kind of overanalyzing something. So I wanted something to take my mind off having to stay in the house as long as I had. So I went running. Now, arguably, the running could have distracted me from doing the courses and all that kind of stuff. But what I realised is I had this desire, given the chance, given the time, given the opportunity, I chose that I wanted to spend my time outside, and that's why I went running on the morning. And that developed into going walking in the local areas. And there have been times we could travel out the area slightly, so spending more time on the hills um, up and around... Huddersfield, place called Meltham, and spent a bit of time in um, Edale and, and Derbyshire. And so all of a sudden I realised that I was spending a lot more time doing the walking and the running, and I really loved doing that. I also realised throughout these lockdowns, I had done more reading, I'd done more um, research, really, into stuff that, you know, you know the kind of thing that happens when you buy the book. You know, you bought the book, and, and you, you had all the good intentions of buying the book, and it sat on your shelf. And then you get another one, another one. Before you know it, you've got 150 books in a, in a bookcase and you've not read half a dozen of them. I rectified that by doing more reading. And I also brought in some other practices in, in my home life around preparing food. Like I started doing some batch cooking, which I really enjoyed. And I started eating a lot more kind of um, Indian food. Um, I started playing about with spices and I'm, I quite enjoyed that. 
So I realized what I'd been doing through lockdown was the things that I'd done and I didn't realize that I were doing them is because they really were natural to me. I really enjoyed it and it really felt part of me. It really felt, to use that word again, it felt authentic. It feels authentic for me to cook nice food and, and feed people with that nice food. It feels authentic for me to be outside. It feels good to be outside. I enjoy that. I get a lot of energy from it, a lot of vibrancy. It feels good for me to sit down and read because it does two things. One is it slows me down because I can be quite manic at times. Secondly, it gives me knowledge and information on something that improves me. All my books are self-improvement books and I love to learn more and know more and have things to experiment with. So what I realised is, although I could look at the, I've not done the podcasts and videos in the, in the quantity I wanted, I've not done the online courses, I had to question why I had the chance to do all these things but didn't. And then it occurred to me that maybe, just maybe, this wasn't really what I wanted to do. And this is what today's podcast is about. It's about being yourself. The reality is, I have always had a desire, and it's not just a desire in the way that, you know, some people say I've got a passion or a desire when they're trying to sell you something. I have genuinely, since I was seven, eight years old, had a desire and and a need, I think that's probably a, the, the better word, a need to help other people. I always felt that if I could help somebody, I should. It wasn't something that was ingrained in me in at home um, or my kind of upbringing. It was natural to me, something that just came natural. So if somebody had difficulty, I would help them out. Um, at times, you know, at cost to myself, you know, I would help other people doing something and they would maybe succeed at that. And the time I'd taken to help them held me back. I know certainly when I was playing a lot of sport, I had I was always trying to give the, the other person on the team the chance to shine, the other person on the team the chance to do something, especially people that maybe wouldn't get chances very often. Um, I, I always had the desire to do that and a sense to do that, and, 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 a, and a joy came about me when I did that thing. And that was from seven years old. It's never left me. So what I started to realise is when we're doing something and being ourselves, there's a natural flow to it that you don't recognise you're always doing it because it comes so naturally to you. You know, when I first started podcasting, it wasn't the fact that um, I spend hours writing these podcasts down. I don't. Um, but I do have an ability to be able to take a subject and talk about it with a relative degree of interest, I believe, and make it sound interesting without that script um, I also realised when I, with, with the podcast, as we're talking to people, I can talk about difficult subjects that people, other people maybe can't explain in a way that I can explain it that makes it understandable. And I do that naturally anyway. So, so when I'm working with somebody, you know, I have a, this natural desire and need to help somebody. So that, that sort of, if you like, ticks that box of my needs and desires. And then while we're discussing things that I'm helping people with, I have the ability to talk about quite tough, difficult subjects in a way that makes them um, safe. And if people are listening to this have worked with me, you will understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it might sound a little bit woo-woo. It's not. It's how do you take a difficult subject but make it something we can talk about and get some really interesting information from without it becoming offensive to anybody or off-putting. And I've done this a lot in the past with spiritual work, you know, although I don't put my spiritual thoughts, views and actions out there overtly, um, a lot of what I'm doing runs from this sense of trying to get people to think in a way that's different. 
So I have a lot of these views. I have a lot of views on what's going on in the world that I kind of hold back to myself. And with that comes at times a sense of frustration. And I think that's been highlighted in some of the stuff that I've talked about on these blogs recently and certainly some of the actions I've taken on my own personal website, gallathboot.com, with the blogging and this podcast a couple of episodes ago when I said, I've had enough. I'm not doing any more. I'm doing no more blogging. I need to do something else. I need to work on another project. I need to work on this. And I'm not going to go into this too much because I didn't mention it in the last episode, um, in episode 38, when the title I'm Back, I talked about why I decided, I went into looking at something called Better 24-7. It didn't feel right, so I came away from it. But it caused me, did that period of time from that podcast to this, to, to sort of analyse a little bit and look into why Better 27 didn't feel right and why initially I wanted to stop doing what I was doing. I have to say, I wasn't happy doing the stuff on Gareth Boo and this podcast recently because I don't think I was being just myself. I wasn't being completely that. The lockdown has given me a chance to to probably slow down like it has for everybody, but also to, to look at the path I was following in going down this route of being this person for this group of people just didn't reflect what I really wanted to do. And in recent days, I've, I've made the, the conscious decision to be more myself with the people I'm interacting with and also with my own recognition of my own needs, wants and desires. So for example... I was out yesterday and I'd, I had a great um, conversation with a chap. I'd, I'd met up and, you know, we do have to say this, it's a socially distanced, um, in a socially distanced fashion, we met up and had a walk around um, a local park. I was going up there anyway to see my daughter and he, this guy happens to live up there. So I said, look, I've got a bit of time. You fancy a, a wander? And we got talking and, and without me saying it to him or me kind of highlighting it to him, I started to open up this conversation about being yourself and, and questioning some of the stuff that he was doing and was it really what he wanted to do? And I've opened this conversation up with a few people recently and the same thing comes out and it's exactly what I found. So what I'm talking about in this episode is not something I've read or some um, idea that, that's, that's, that somebody, else is, of somebody else is making. This is based on experiential learning from me. What I find is when you ask most people that have got a particular job or career. So this is generally people that, that work that I'm talking to. And, and I'm sure if I had this conversation with people that didn't work and were retired, they, they would have a similar um, answer to this question. If you now, and, and this is a question you can ask yourself if you listen to this, if right now you were given this opportunity, which is this, somebody comes up to you and says, how much would you like to earn a year? Not, don't limit yourself. What would you like to earn right now? What, what income would you need into your life, your household, for you to feel like you, you know, you were you were very comfortable. Now, you'll put a figure on that. I'm not going to put a figure on it for you, and I'm not going to tell you what my figure is. It's, it's irrelevant. Now, if somebody offered to give you that amount, but all you had to do was to find, you had to do something between the hours of nine to five, Monday to Friday, to get that amount. It doesn't matter what you did. There were no limitations or any caveats about what you had to do. You had to do something. What would it be? Something that you loved, something that you truly loved doing, something that would give you joy. Because, I mean, you know, I I'm, I'm know that there's some clever people listening to say, well, I'd sit on telly watching, I'd sit on couch watching telly all day. Okay, that might give you entertainment, but that probably doesn't give you joy. I'm talking about that thing that makes you joy, makes your heart sing. And I realised that if I was given that opportunity, 
I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I wouldn't be doing what I was aiming to do prior to lockdown. I just wouldn't. Would I choose on a daily basis to wake up and have to put something on, a, on, on social media? Would I choose to be on social media at all? The answer is probably not. Would I, would I try to um, write blogs that would maybe impress potential clients? Um, would I um, do podcasts where I talk about things and, and, and try to fill people with information with the hope that maybe somebody listening to podcasts will think, I like him, I'll work with him. No, I would not. If I was given the chance to do what I wanted to do and get paid for it, it would be kind of in line with what I've done for the last 12 months through this lockdown. I would spend more time outside, absolutely. I would spend more time in the hills walking, absolutely. I would spend more time exploring cookery and catering for people, absolutely. And I would read more books, absolutely. And having asked this question to a few people now, none of them would be doing what they currently do if they were given that chance. You get your money, you choose the price, you just got to do it nine to five, Monday to Friday. None of them are doing what they do now. Now, they might be doing an element of what they're doing now. So for instance, if um, if you are a artist and you are painting and you're selling your painting and you've got a gallery and you're going around trying to sell that, you might not do the gallery and the, and, and the, and the selling, but you may still paint. So I started to realise that a lot of us are trapped in this position where we're not being ourselves because we fear that we can't get what we want by being ourselves. What I would like to... Um, argue in this podcast is I think you can get everything you want by being yourself and crucially you'll get it easier and it'll be more comfortable for you than ever trying to be something you're not. I often look at the time when I was a lot younger and I don't some people can remember situations when they were babies. They'll say, oh, I remember being in a pram. My mother does this. If I told my mother, she, she remembers her first memory. She was sat in a pram outside a house. She must have been less than two years old. She was a baby. And she remembers that. And I can't remember my first... Um, I can't remember being a baby in a pram. But one of my earliest memories, and if I have to look back to when I was... When I think I was the youngest, the first memory I had. I was in my garden. I lived in a town called Batley, and I had a, a little red tractor. Now, if you've heard this story before, I've mentioned the podcast before, um, I do apologise, but I'm going to mention it again because it's, it's, I know this story vividly because it's a memory I have that, that is literally, I, if I close my eyes, I'm back there. We were going out as a family, and the way our family kind of worked back in those days, there was, there was my mum and my dad, and me and my sister, our Sarah and me, mum and dad, and then we used to spend a lot of time with my grandma and granddad. And my grandma and granddad were my mum and dad's, uh, sorry, my dad's parents, my dad's mum and dad. Uh, so my grandma and granddad boot. And th they were characters. I didn't spend a lot of time with my grandparents on that side. Um, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't know them. I didn't, I didn't have that connection with my grandma and granddad like I had with me, my auntie, we, we kind of me, my mother's side. But they were, they were nice people and, and you know, we, we spent a lot of time with them. So we, we, we did, on a Sunday, have this habit where we'd tend to go, especially in the summer months, we'd go and we'd have a drive in the car. My dad and my granddad loved to drive in the car. You can get them to walk anywhere, but they'd love to get in a car. And my dad always had a big car because he was a big fella. He was um, six foot two and, uh, you know, he was 20 odd stone. He was a big hunk of a fella. Um, hunk. Hunk. He was a huge bloke. He wasn't exactly a hunk. I have to say that's probably the wrong word, but he was a big chunk of a fella. That's the right word. A big chunk of a fella. 
So they would come round to our house, or we would go to their house, we'd get in the car and we'd drive around. And this generally ended up with us being in some kind of beer garden somewhere, where we would have, um, me and my sister would have a, a, a glass of pop, a packet of crisps, and play about on swings and climbing frames. And I remember these these evenings and these these afternoons because they, they were they were very regular. Well, on this particular occasion, I remember being outside in my garden and I was massively engrossed in my favourite activity at the time, which was riding my little red tractor. And I had this little red tractor and it had a trailer on the back and you used to pedal it and steer it with a steering wheel. And we had a garden that allowed us to go in like a U, it was like a U shape. So it was it was a semi-detached house. So you couldn't go all the way around because there was a next house next to it and a fence and a garden stuff and you're getting into that garden. But I used to go from one side of the house, pedal all the way around, and then I used to have to do a three-point turn. And I used to love doing my three-point turn in my little tractor. And then I'd go back around and go around the other way in the opposite direction, back to where I started, three-point turn back again. And this used to go on for hours. I used to love it. I remember this red tractor. And this particular Sunday, all I wanted to do was drive the red tractor. All I wanted to do was that. I was in heaven with it. I remember it. I'm fairly certain I had shorts on. And I was pedaling up and down. And the weather was warm. I remember it. And everybody else, grandparents turned up, mum, dad and Sarah, all heading off to the car. I didn't want to go off to the car. What I really wanted to do was I wanted to just be there and just be by myself, being myself, riding my tractor about. So, the, you know, our parents are, they start with it. Come on, you need to get in the car. I kept riding the tractor. And then another call, you know, slightly louder and a little bit more urgency. You need to get in the car now, Gareth. I'm still riding that tractor up and down, round and round. Then I remember my dad saying, if you don't get in the car, we're going to leave you here and set off without you. We're off away without you. To which I ignored that because I want to be there going around in my tractor. Now, as I went around the side of the house on the next lap, I heard the very familiar sound of my dad's car starting up. And then the other familiar sound of the car going into reverse. And then very quickly, the sound of the car going down the hill away from the house. So all of a sudden now, I'm left completely by myself in this on this red tractor in a house with nobody in it. I'm very, very young. I don't know how old I was, but I can't be any... I was a toddler. And this fear hit me. Because now I felt alone. So they came back. I don't, don't leave you hanging on this story like my mum and dad were horrible bastards. They, they were lovely people and, and they came back, but, you know, to teach me a lesson. Well, it taught me a couple of lessons. One is it taught me the feeling of what it felt like to be completely abandoned in a moment and that was uncomfortable but the other thing it started me to realize at that age and it's what i think happens to us all and you may not have had the red tractor incident but you'll have had some incident incident that will cause this to start in you i started to realize it wasn't always good to be myself so from that age going forward i had some very different thoughts and views to my friends and i had to learn that some of the stuff that i wanted to do I had to be different around other people because what I felt was that me being good enough didn't fit in. And I'm not saying my parents and that incident with the car and the tractor and driving away caused me to not be myself. I think it's a natural thing we all do. Kids of a certain age, whatever age they are, start to move away from doing what they want to do, being what they want to be, acting with no inhibitions whatsoever, to becoming conditioned. And it happens to every single human being and it happens, there's nobody gets away from this. We are all conditioned. But the one thing we're conditioned to do from an early age is to not be ourselves because it doesn't fit with a lot of the scenarios you find yourself in. You know, you're at school and being yourself might be, I want to sit at this desk and just daydream and doodle. 
And you think, well, hang on a minute here. Teacher don't want you to do that. They want you to do, sit there, pay attention to maths. You can't just sit there and doodle all day. You've got to learn stuff. Now, I'm in an office here where I'm looking at a picture. I'm just turned to look at it now. And it's basically four doodles. In fact, five doodles of animals. And there's a what looks like a flamingo, a horse, a little dash hound, a penguin and an owl. Little doodles. These are in a frame. Not unsimilar these doodles in some ways. So maybe the doodles I were doing or you were doing at school when you got told not to doodle because it's a waste of time. Well, these doodles have something on them on the, on the bottom of this these set of four doodles on the bottom right-hand corner as I'm looking at it, which makes these doodles a little bit different to the doodles I did. And it's the name Picasso. Because Mr. Picasso did these doodles and made quite a lot of money out of them. So I'm fairly certain now that the guy who told Mr. Picasso that doodling in class instead of learning maths was silly would probably feel a bit foolish and probably wished he'd have kept a few of Picasso's doodles. Point is here, being ourselves is a very risky thing we're taught because when we become ourselves in some situations, we get a lot of um, resistance to that. And when we're younger, we are controlled and to some degree bullied. Um, and I don't want to put that in a, in a dramatic way. I think we are. I think we're bullied by society into being different, to fit a narrative that suits society but may not suit us. So from an early age, we're already not being ourselves. That continues into school and continues into careers. And, and so we never get the chance to really explore who we are, what we're about, what makes us tick. But here's the kicker. Going back to when I was younger, when I was a toddler, there were a few things then I liked. I liked being outside. I loved spending time in nature. I loved cooking food. I, you know, from a very early age, I loved being in the kitchen, helping my mum and preparing food. And I liked to read. So then where we are, somewhat probably is now 45, 47 years later, and I'm still getting joy and love from them, same things, being outside, preparing food and reading books. Still give me joy now, and they give me joy then. Do you know why they give me joy now, and they gave me joy then? is because that is who I was. The ability to be able to communicate and talk, you would not know this unless you know me, and from listening to this podcast, you certainly wouldn't know it, you know, I have an issue with with, with shyness. I, I, used, I was acutely shy as a child. You know, as a child, I wouldn't go anywhere and I wouldn't meet new people. I was scared to do it and it never left me. And as I've got older, I've learned to manage it and I've become more effective at, 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 at putting strategies in place from what I've learned through, actually from reading. So that's where the reading of personal development came in is I've learned how to manage that, that situation. So I'm not the same nervous nervous as I used to be. And I can go into situations and people would never guess I was nervous, but I always have this fear and anxiety with something new. No matter what it is, by the way, if it's new people, new situations, I always feel anxious. So what I'm saying is I learned to be something else and I learned to be more confident. And there's a bit of me that says, well, you know, I can't be shy and quiet and retiring because that doesn't fit. So again, that's not being myself because I do have to spend a lot of time by myself. I do it now. You know, I I, I love silence. I love quietness. I, I love to be in my own space. And there's other bits that, again, I've learned not to be because they didn't feel like they fit the narrative of what I was trying to become. You know, as somebody who has a podcast and uh, I, I work with people in a mentoring, problem-solving capacity... It doesn't fit that narrative to be shy, nervous and retiring because you want to be confident, um, assertive um, and, and sound like, you know, you know what you're doing. Well, the reality of the situation is I am quiet. I am nervous and it's a show and it's, and it's a facade. And 
the reality of, of my last six months has been realizing that some of the stuff that I'm doing or I'm trying to do, I don't really want to do. I'm doing it because other factors come in, other factors which will always come back to some element of fear. So the reason we end up being different to ourselves is because we fear being ourselves. The reason we sometimes take the jobs on that we take on is because we fear we'll have no money if we did what we love to do. You know, I've always loved helping people. That's why coaching, mentoring seems obvious to me, because I can help people and get paid for it. But there's also another fear underneath all that, which is I fear not being good enough. So because I don't feel good enough, sometimes I'm then reluctant to ask for money for it or to approach bigger clients or to go after people I really like to work with. Because for me, what I realised is, if I work with somebody on a business, you think, well, you know, can I do a business plan and, and can I do a strategy? Of course I can. You know, I was in business for 10 years. I know a lot about business. But the reality is what I love to do is solve problems. I really love to solve big problems. I like to, I like to look at things that other people get scared of because it doesn't scare me. I don't get fear of big issues. In fact, it's been said of myself, and I would have to agree with this, you know, I thrive in an environment where there's catastrophe and chaos. So much so that I tend to have found myself creating catastrophe and chaos in my own life just to resolve it because I need that. I need to be able to help people. I need to be able to make sure that somebody who I feel needs assistance and I can help them, I'll do that. I got to a stage, I had to stop doing it. I, I would help anybody in any way I could and then end up running out of time because there's always somebody to help. So being yourself is recognising that if you're doing something right now that you don't get complete joy out of, then you have to look at how you're doing it and maybe change a little bit. So for me, when I came back to doing these, these podcasts again, it wasn't that I didn't want a podcast because I do like talking because what I do believe is by speaking on this podcast, hopefully somebody will hear it, some of that information will resonate with them, they'll improve something or feel better and feel happier. So I'll have helped them anyway. So now instead of me having to find the person and d deal with them one-to-one, -one, these podcasts can go one-to-many. So many people can listen to this. And then maybe some of those many that listen to it, some will be helped by it. And I'll tick that box of needing to help people. It's funny to me how I've gone into working with a lot of my clients. It always inevitably comes around to talking about food and diet and exercise. Because I realise the importance of being outside, the importance of eating good food, and, and the kind of the way that we need to get that right in order to be physically well. And, and that's important. So again, that ties in with the me as I was younger, wanting to spend time outside because I was very healthy as a kid. I was always outside doing something. And I used to like good food and it made me feel good. So again, that's, be, that's running through and that's kind of had a little bit of impact on what I'm offering people. And the other thing I get people to do that I'm working with, there's always some talk of a book. You should read this or I'll maybe give them something to read or they'll mention a book to me because books are very important to me. So again, the same things that are important to me now were important to me when I was a child. And if you're listening to this, the same will be true of you. Those things that gave you joy, those things that you were pulled towards, those desires and needs you had as the, the three, four, five, ten, whatever year old will still be there. But we bury them down and we hide them, especially if the things we want to do, we can't see we can earn a living at. You know, I, I was put off being, um, I used to like to draw. It's another thing I used to like to do because when I was drawing and doodling I, and in books, I, I, my mind used to go and I found out I was a very good artist for drawing and I don't talk about this and I don't ever show my work off mainly because there's not much of it left now. But what I found is when I was in the height of my alcoholic stage, when I was drinking and I was out of it, I could draw things that were quite 
spectacular. And I used to be able to draw things with pencil and pen. And the reason I drew with pencil and pen is I'm colorblind. So I could never, you do watercolors because I couldn't tell you I'd be putting purple skies in there and, and, and funny colored grass and trees that have a, a wrong tinge on them. People say that color's wrong, this color's wrong. Um, so I, I, I very quickly realized that was a limitation. So but pencil, black and white, works for me. And you'll notice this now, if you look at my website or anything I produce, there'll always be three colours in there. And the only three colours I can really tell you what they are, which is black, white, and red. If it's black, it's white, or it's red, I'm okay with it. Any other colours other than red, I struggle with. So what I recognised is I used to get into a stage where I used to draw when I was out of my mind, because I was pissed. You know, I was sat there leathered. And, and so my my ego and my normal thinking's away, and I'm into this la-la land of complete freedom for a period of time till you fell unconscious and slept it off. And in that time, what flowed out of me was the the real me. These pictures I used to draw, some of them were quite melancholic. I used to draw pictures of statues and things. But the, what I'm saying is there was this thing I had, this skill I had, but I could never be an artist because I was colorblind. And really it didn't fit with the narrative of what people wanted from my life. But again, what I'm saying here is how many things that you do that give you joy you're not doing because you've forgotten you enjoyed doing them and life got in the way. Because I have a need and a desire to help people, I have a, a slightly empathetic way of feeling people's pain. Uh, and this can be frustrating. And, and I don't want you to make it sound like I'm some kind of fucking weirdo here. All I'm saying is I know when people are upset. I could always tell it. Again, from being a child, I knew when somebody was upset. And then that's why I would want to help them feel not upset or help them feel better. The amount of people that I see online, people that I know that are doing something that's not giving them joy, that have got unhappiness because not being themselves, is staggering. And even people that are putting on images where they're happy and smiling and it looks like everything's wonderful, I know at a deeper level, they're not being who they are and they're sad because of that. Now, I don't know how this is going to manifest in what I do in the next three to 12 months. I, I really don't. But what I do know is the content that I'm producing now, the, the the podcasts and the videos, I want them to be more me. And I want them to be sharing information and sharing experiences I've been through. That's why I want to share this this week. Because what I decided a few, well, 10 days ago now, was if I didn't have something to say that wasn't didn't fill me with joy to say it or didn't give me, didn't I didn't feel would add value to somebody because I knew it would help them and tick the box of wanting to help people, then I wouldn't just post it. I wouldn't post just to say I'd posted. And if you listen to these gurus, these business gurus, how you should use social media, you should post three, four times a day, do a podcast three times a week, do this, this and this, bullshit. For me, that doesn't work. I have to feel like what I'm saying means something to me. Because if it means something to me, you'll pick that up and I'm delivering it and it'll mean something to you. And it might not mean something to everybody, but who it's meant to mean something to, it will mean something to. This last 12 months, I think, has been tough. It's been tough because I think it highlights in our own lives some of the areas that we've been letting ourselves down in. And there's some of the things we've been letting slip. You know, people that... that enjoyed being outside and, and enjoyed exercising. In lockdown, they did more of it. Then people that didn't do anything before lockdown certainly didn't do anything in lockdown, and they're still having the same complaints. When we're in the difficult situations, it's some, sometimes I think, did somebody once say, and I, I, you'll have to forgive me if I've got this one wrong, a quote something like, 
you know, adversity does not develop character, it reveals it. And I mean, I know it's something like that because, you know, it's amazing how many people have been posting that piece recently. Everybody struggled. Everybody struggled because deep down, we all have the same insecurities, we all have the same issues, and I think this all stems from not being yourself. If you are being yourself, you have to be honest when you're pissed off, you have to be honest when you're happy, you'd be honest when you've done something well or, or honest when you've made a mistake. And those are the kind of people that I believe are the most authentic. Because the minute you become something different in your personal life and you start to produce something that doesn't align with your who you are and your values, you can never do it well enough. I'm going to share with you something. The reason I started podcasting was because of a gentleman called Joe Rogan. I'm sure you've heard of Joe Rogan. He's, he, I would say he's the most famous podcaster on the planet. And uh, I listened to him and I didn't know who he was. I just heard he had a podcast and clearly, very quickly from listening to him, you realise he's a, he's a stand-up comedian. So I liked his podcast. I'll go listen to some of his comedy because um, clearly, you know, that's what he does. You know, but it's really good. Um, I didn't like it at all. What I found listening to his podcasts is he was a genuine fella, open. I loved his conversations. He always spoke from his heart. And you know what? I used to love his podcasts. I couldn't get into his comedy at all. I didn't like his style. I didn't like his jokes. He was a completely different person. The real version of him is what I think shows up on the podcast. I think that is really genuine. And, I, and, and because of that, I, I think people get it. And that's why I think the podcast has become so popular. But his comedy is not for everyone. And it's certainly not for me. So that happens, and just think about that now. If you're not being yourself, how many people are just not getting you? So you might walk into a room, you might offer somebody the chance, if you're in business, you know, offer them to do what you do with them, and I'm not so sure, because they won't believe you, because at some level, it won't feel right. And and they won't be able to put the finger on it. They won't be able to say, it won't feel right because you said this or I said that. It won't feel right because you're not 100% invested in doing that. And that's because you're not being yourself. Now, there is something else you have to bear in mind. Sometimes being yourself is risky because you might lose some opportunities you've got. If I become more myself and start to be more open on these podcasts, there are one or two opportunities that may disappear from it. And I'm conscious of the fact that I've behaved in a slightly um, not myself. I wouldn't say fake way, but I don't want that's not right. I've never produced anything on a podcast or a video, anything under the GarethBoot.com brand that that was false. But I didn't give it me all. So, for example, swearing. I do swear a little bit. And that's obvious. If you, if you, if you spend time on me, I do swear a bit. And I don't, you know, I'm not a potty mouth, as it, as it would be said. But, you know, I do swear now and again. Now, because I was looking to work within businesses, organisations, and potentially schools, I was really careful what I posted in case the organisation, organization, business or school, saw it. I'm thinking, what if they saw this? They wouldn't like it. I, I wouldn't get asked to do that work. And that's an instance of how me putting what I'm, the fear of not having the money, the fear of not having opportunity, the fear of not being able to find the work, I've put that above and let it go across being how I am. Because, you know, let's be honest, I'm not, I'm not stupid. You know, if I'm in a classroom and I have taught in classrooms and I have worked with kids, you know, I'm not sat there swearing in front of them. You know, I can hold it back. And why would I, why would I then try to pretend I'm something else on a blog? But I, I read a couple of them a while ago these blogs and I just thought what have you wrote that shit for the, the the thing's right what you've said's right but it's the manner in which you've said it is completely not you and ironically on the podcast and I've gone back through them recently because this is how analytical I am at times the ones where I felt I've been most authentic that word again don't like it but I've had to use it that word authentic 
If when they've been authentic, they're the ones who got the most listens. People want to know you, and they want to know the real you. And if you show them that, you'll be surprised how it's changed. In the last ten days, I made the decision to be more authentic. I've had three or four of the best conversations I've had in a long time. As far as my work is concerned, in the mentoring phase, I've I've done some great stuff. I know it's good because I, I can see it in the people I'm working with. The mentoring has, has hit home because I've been I've just allowed myself to be more authentic. And because I've started to say now I'm only going to have stuff that gives me joy. I'm only going to work now with people that give me that joy, that buzz. I'm not going to do it. I'm not chasing it just for the sake of doing a bit of business. I've had one or two contacts. I think I really like that person. I think we can do something together. Maybe not now, maybe not next week, maybe not next month, but at some point we can. That is why, as a, as a kind of a businessman, I never networked because I couldn't cope with bullshit small talk where people just were false. They weren't being themselves. And I've met people, and it's a bit like the Joe Rogan thing that happened to me real in real life, where I've met people and I've heard them talking in a, in a, in a meeting. I thought, what a wanker. And then for reasons I'm, well, I know no other reasons, but then other reasons came in and I got to speak to them on a different level and talk about different stuff. And the real version of them came out, they were lovely people. And I've seen it in reverse. I've met lovely people that I really knew until I saw them doing what they did for a living and they were completely different and rubbish. Our task, and it's a difficult one, is to be yourself 100% all the time. That's the holy grail. How many people get there? I'm really not sure because I know I'm nowhere close to it. I'm, I'm getting there and it's an intention to be more like that, but it's awfully hard because it's scary to do it. So if you feel scared being yourself, you're not alone. Everybody feels scared being themselves. And that feeling of isolation and that fear of what it'll feel like, I fear by being myself, I'm going to get the same sense and experience of that day when I'm sat there on a red tractor waiting for something to come back because I've been abandoned. Because being myself feels that way sometimes you feel like you're all on your own you feel like no one's going to listen i have to say now i don't have a lot of friends in my life and i don't start to sound sad i say that because that's out of choice i have a choice to who i spend my time with and who i connect with at a different level and a deeper level and i've got some really really good people in my life it's not a lot of them but the one i've got the diamonds every single one of them is a diamond i don't spend time now with anybody that I don't really, really get something from spending that time with. And I have people I see from one, I don't see them from one year to the next. And when we get together, it's like we only saw each other last week. And I'm lucky and I'm blessed to have these people in my life. If people in my life, if I'm working with them, if I'm communicating and spending time with them, they're there because I genuinely like them. And you know what thing that runs through them all? They're all people that I get to experience who they really are. And it's wonderful to see. And if you open yourself up, Warts and all to people, show that little bit of um, vulnerability to be yourself. I think your life can change. I've seen mine change in 10, in 10 days because now what I've realised is the content I want to create, I've been trying to add, I've been trying to make content instead of documenting what's going on. Okay, it might be boring to hear about me talking about running around the streets, but actually I love talking about it because I want other people to do it. Why? Because now how good it is to feel outside. But I want to come from an angle now of... If you are not being yourself, there is an answer, and it's just to be more yourself. It's not something, you don't have to read a book, you don't have to do anything spectacular, you just have to start being yourself. Bit by bit, day by day, you'll get there. And remember who you were, remember those things that, that really spoke to you when you were younger, because if you go back to what you loved then, 
and you can find a way of doing that now, you'll feel that joy and that happiness that you did feel as a kid. We all remember what it was like before we started giving a shit what other people thought. Want life a bit more liberating back then? Well, I believe you can go back to that. And right now, you know, I may not have the red tractor anymore, and uh, I may not have the uh, the shorts and the, the bright red hair I had when I was three or four years old. But when I'm outside, when I'm helping people, when I'm cooking my food and reading my books, I feel just as happy now as I did back then. <sighs> I need a red tractor. That's the answer. I'm going to get one. I wonder if they do them in adult size. I'm sure they do somewhere. Anyway, I hope that's helped you. If nothing else after this this list of this podcast, if you do nothing else but just driving yourself for a bit more, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Um, any questions you can let me know, contact me at garthboot.com. And uh, if you don't follow me on Facebook, get on there. I'm going to start putting some posts on. There will be, I'm not sure how they'll all come out yet. I'm still playing with how this exactly shows itself the outside world, but um, check me out on there. I could do a few more likes. I think the page has got 47 likes so far. At times I feel embarrassed by it. But again, at some level, you see how that's kicking in again? I'm bothered what people think. I'm not being myself. Because for me, I don't put stuff on that Facebook page. I don't really put these podcasts out there or the blogs. For any other reason that is, I enjoy doing them because I believe they're helping people. So really, if it, if I've got 47 people on there and I'm helping two or three, it's probably enough. Okay, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. And until the next podcast, you take care. <laughs>